Congratulations, you found it! This is a book podcast featuring books you will want to read. Recommended by people who are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Featuring Martha Steele, radio personality extraordinaire and queen of the volunteer librarians. Nicole Shaded, sports animal wrangler, shield maiden, and book warrior. And Vonnie Golden, healthcare billing diva, volunteer librarian, and book goddess. Together, slaying the dragons, catching serial killers, exploring history, space-time, and alternative realities. Searching for and finding book treasures every week. They are three book girls. And once again, I feel completely put out because they're doing something I can't participate in and can't comment on. (laughs) And they're leaving me out and I'm feeling really freaking cross. Are we starting? They're having a crocheting lesson in the control room. Listen, you were running around the building doing your thing. This is my one and only talent, is to crochet. (laughs) It is not your one and only talent. You can cut it out if you don't like it. Cut what out? You knit one pearl, too? I plan to. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, other people really don't want crocheting lessons. Maybe somebody (laughs) is interested in crocheting. You don't know. You did teach me how to crochet, which... You know, really, that is a talent if you think about it, because I'm about as what, capable that, of that sort of thing. That I actually taught you or yes. that you actually crocheted? Both. <laughs> <laughs> well, I apologize for boring you. At least we weren't talking about work this week. Hey, thanks. I appreciate you. So see, that as they say different. in Texas, appreciate you. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can talk about work when I'm not present. Okay, we just text each other while we're sitting at work now. Yeah, so we do. <laughs> you know, the whole three feet we're apart, we're like, can you believe this? It's like, oh my God. That bitch! I'm going to slap a bitch. <laughs> That's no joke. So did all it's of us wake time? up with headaches this morning? I think so. Mine was yesterday. Um, I'm always ahead of the curve by a day. Mm-hmm. There's some phenomenon, and I wish somebody would really do a serious investigation about this. As to why people who get headaches get them within a day of each other, and it's like a mass thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets headaches. Why is it? Is it well, magnetic thinking, field? Is it we know barometric we did pressure? Have those last night come through. Yeah, I know. And we usually, did. if it's going to rain, that's usually when I get a headache. <clears throat> is if there's yeah storms are brewing. Yeah, yeah. I could see that for sure. I'd be interested to find out who has some uh, some data on that data data. However you say it, potato potato. Mm-hmm. Starting tomorrow, Vani is no longer the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. Right. Because I'm no longer 42. Oh. And, and if you had read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, to you would know that 42 is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. Right. <laughs> That's the answer. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow's Vani's birthday. So I'm no longer 42. I'll be 43. I'm not ashamed to say my age. I'm 43. I've deserved every freaking year that I've put into my life. <laughs> and she is a full, almost 10 years younger than me. Nine. Nine years younger Nine than years. Me. Um, life, the universe, and everything has passed into non-existence well, with yet another person. Mine not was... yet. Tomorrow. Okay, so I'm tomorrow. I'm still the answer to everything for one more day. Hmm. Then after that. So what are your words of wisdom for those who listen? I have no words of wisdom. 42 has no comment. (laughs) 
I think that in Maybe itself that says is a lot. The words of wisdom, no comment. Meaning, shut your mouth. <laughs> because you can't be prosecuted if you don't talk. <laughs> I plead the fifth of that. <laughs> but I am going to have a good birthday day. My son is going to take me to lunch after his girlfriend gets off work. Lun- lunch? Well, don't you have to work tomorrow? Dinner. Brunch. Oh, dinner. Oh. Today. He's doing it today. Oh, today. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, it's kind of awesome that. For years that all I got was a homemade card, and now I actually get dinner. And he bought me a new wallet, a Michael Kors shiny gold wallet that's making the inside of my purse all pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Blingalicious. Yeah. Our kids are just growing up. I know. I know. It's awesome. And, you know, I told you he started writing for... Like the fantasy football. Oh, that's right. You know, I find this so incredible. Tyler being a sports journalist guru. I mean, he's only 18 and he is already a paid writer. Right. 19. Mm -hmm. 19. Oh, that's right. Because he's Mm -hmm. a couple of months older than my son. Wow. But he's a paid writer. And, you know, it's just really funny. I know that we talk a lot about how people grow as readers. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. It's it's awesome to watch him grow as a writer, because I know that you read some of his very first articles. I did. I did. And I gave him some constructive criticism. And he was able to take that with grace and actually use it and ran Mm -hmm. with it. This last article that he wrote was really good. It was, I actually. It. And if and you're a fantasy football fan, you should check it out. Tell us what, where we can find it. It's the Wagner Wire is what the website is called. And uh, the art, his name is Tyler Moore. And um, he's on Twitter. You can catch his articles on Twitter also right. for the Wagner Wire or under his name. Sweet. Either one. Go Tyler. But, yeah. He just. Aww, and he knows My other stuff. son is a writer. <laughs> I know. Both of our boys are growing up. Yeah. It's awesome. <clears throat> My son is not a writer, but that's okay because he has other talents as well. He does. And you know so. what? I can really tell in the last few months that he's matured. He has. He is he acting has. less like a high schooler and more like an adult. Yep. Has a job and everything. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> just, of, I mean, just his attitude. Yeah. I can just tell the difference. Yeah. It hits yep. you in the face. Like, um, I'm going to college. I should probably, you know, learn to take care of myself. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen. Yeah, it happens. He's still living at home, but. His uh, his attitude has improved exponentially since graduation, so that's nice. Right, right. and I would consider you more mature than some people your oh, age. Yeah. I know I've known other people your age, and I'm not saying they're bad people; they're just it's not a, as as grown up as it's a millennial thing. I'll give it that. I don't like I don't like when people rip on millennials because I am one, which sucks. We don't really rip on bad. millennials. We love millennials. Are you kidding me? <laughs> as long as they read, if they it do not read, then we read. will rip. I saw an article, and I can't remember if it was on the internet or mm-hmm. where it was, but they were talking about how millennials are bringing back the libraries. I saw that. Mm-hmm. I did saw that same that? article. I did. I think um, if I did not share that to our Facebook page, I will do it. You, yeah. Yeah, we need to, to our find three book girls Facebook page. It was a really good article because they're talking about how millennials are shutting down, uh, making a lot of things obsolete. But, but for not some libraries. Reason, they love libraries and they go to the library. And they right. use the library's services, which 
as the they books should. And the yeah. Services and mm-hmm. everything else. Yeah. It was a really nice. good article. It's like a, it's always a place you can go and it's quiet and it's nice and you can just think. It's different than all the like noise that's everywhere yeah. else. Mm-hmm. Like the devices and the people. It's just like a place you can go that's it's tranquil, relaxing. Yeah, it's your oasis. Right. Safe spot. <laughs> so that is nice. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I wanted to mention is. I was reading this article. I have been a subscriber to Entertainment Weekly for years. I want to say since nearly like when the magazine came out. I think it was right after the magazine came out. And Mm -hmm. I became a subscriber because, of course, I work in the entertainment industry. Right. And even before the Internet became so prevalent, I was using this magazine to uh, talk about work and to just stay updated on things. And one of the things I love the most about the magazine is that they have a section on books. And so a lot of times I get my recommendations from the magazine. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was very interesting to see that there's an article in, let's see what, okay, so this is the August 4th magazine, the, the new Star Trek cover. There's an article in there under books called Eight Great Road Trip Books. Mm-hmm. Hey. And the reason I want to talk about it is because two out of eight are books that we have talked about on this podcast. Really? Really? That's cool. Yeah. We're starting to make the list ourselves. I know. Yeah. And these are books that we did not get as a recommendation from the magazine. We had already read them. One of them was Paper Towns by John Green. Which Nicole, Nicole talked about. Mm-hmm. And the other one is Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel, which I talked about. Mm-hmm. So two out of eight. Right. That's cool. What else is on the list? Uh, going Bovine. I circled that one because um, I thought it looked kind of good. Uh, it talks about a 16-year-old Cameron dying from mad cow disease. Does he really escape the hospital and go on a road trip with a video game playing dwarf and a Norse god posing as a garden gnome? Or is it all a fever-spiked hallucination? (laughs) Does that sound like something I would read? (laughs) Yeah. I would go with the hallucination. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to throw that out there. The next one on here. Wait a minute. I've got one on two on here. Anywhere but here. Mona Simpson. Um... Flaming Iguanas. I haven't heard of Lopez's, any of these. Uh, Erica Lopez, a sexy coming of age tale. It doesn't really look like me, but <laughs> Not a fan. who knows? Uh, there's another one here called "The Last Days of Mike," uh, "The Last Days of California" by Mary Miller. The first. The third word in the description is winsome, so that would not be something I would read. What's winsome mean? Um, is that like heartwarming, sad? Eh, What's it falls winsome? into the same category as all those. So maybe me. Uh, <laughs> I'll read the description. Um, in this winsome novel, two girls and their fundamentalist parents drive from Alabama to California for the rapture, passing out religious tracts and trying to save as many souls as they can. Mm, so maybe not me. Not me. Mm, no. I'm not much for religious Nah, religious me neither. Books. I'm, yeah. Okay. We promised we wouldn't go there. Okay. Um, <laughs> on Such a Full Sea by Chang Ray Lee. Dystopian. 
So that might be, that might you be know, you. one of us. Of course, All Paper of Towns, <laughs> Station Eleven, and the Wangs versus the World. I've actually seen this a couple of times. Um, it's Asian immigrants. Um, the guy loses his fortune, and they all sort of go on this this road trip. Huh. That sounds interesting. So mm-hmm. might be interesting. yeah, road trip books. I thought that was really great that we were actually in line with or way ahead of actually one right, of the lists. Those were ones that we reviewed a long time ago. Yeah, it oh, was yeah. like when we first started out. Yeah, Paper Towns. I think is like the third or fourth episode, isn't it? I think so. It's one of those early ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I heard that was good. I didn't read Paper Towns. It sounded good. It's not one that I read, but... They made a movie out of it, didn't they? I think so, yeah. It's mm-hmm. kind of like he goes and finds the girl or whatever. Right. Guy Something gets like guy meets girl, guy likes girl, yeah. guy gets girl kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, that Nicole. It was a Nicole read, so... Right, and she likes a lot of those kind of books. Yeah. They're not bad. Sometimes you need something like that to kind of get out of um, the depressing books, Bonnie. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I know. I have picked some quite depressing books lately. <laughs> and speaking of depressing books, Bonnie, would you like to start the podcast? Sure. And <laughs> um, the book that I'm going to review this week is called The Absolutionist. And it's kind of funny because I've been on the waiting list for like three months for this book. And I did not even realize that it was written by John Boyne, who wrote you, Boy with a Striped Pajamas. And that you just reviewed last week. So you're going to review another book by the same author... Right. That you've been waiting for. for <laughs> right. Like I said, and That's it wasn't funny. even when I downloaded it. And I actually was looking at some different ones that I downloaded, trying to find a book that I wanted to listen to. And I was looking at how long they were because I didn't start reading because I was reading The Rook that right, I told you right, about. Right. And I didn't get done with The Rook until Tuesday. So I wanted something that I'd make sure and get done before the right, podcast. Right. So I was looking to see how long the book was, and that's when I realized it was written by the same person. I didn't even realize it was written by the same person until then. That's funny. But, um, and it's a very heart-wrenching tale. Well, at least it's not heartwarming. No, it's heart-wrenching. I mean, it was it was sad, extremely sad. And it's called The Absolutionist by John Boyne, if nobody caught that the first time. And it is about a World War One soldier and it starts out after the war and he has a friend in the war who dies during the war, like his best friend. And he's going to take letters from that he had collected from this friend of his, I think his name was Will, to Will's sister, the this his best friend that died during the war. Um and that's how it starts out. So it's all like um, rec- uh, like a flashback to the training camp and the war and everything else by the main character, who his name is Tristan. So death, uh, blood, gore, the lost anguish, dying, loss, random acts of violence. <laughs> <laughs> and you find out pretty early on in the book that Tristan um, is gay. And this is at a time... Tristan, the main character? The main character is gay. Oh. And this is at a time... There's a new War twist one? I didn't see coming. Yeah. Okay. Post-World War One. Post-World War One. not a good time to be gay. No. And it's... it's <laughs> I mean, it's against the law back then. You yeah. will be thrown in jail. They, like, put you on, like, hormone therapy and stuff like that, too. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> so, needless to say, he does not have a lot of 
close friends or partners or anything like that because of his his lifestyle. And he knows pretty early on that he's gay. Like he talks about he's only ever kissed one girl when he was a teenager, when he was at university is what they call it, when he was at university. And he knew that it wasn't for him, of right. course. He and would, he knew you know. right away that he did not, was not at all attracted to females whatsoever. Dang. That's rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and like I said, there's a lot of random acts of violence in this book. And just really sad. But now that you've told me the other twist, I'm actually more interested... Because there's something different about it. Mm-hmm. Right. It is different. And I will say that this author in both Boy with the Boy in the Striped Pajamas and this book, he stays in character. He, the person that it's told through, he stays in their mindset and their so, point of view. So is there the any, any parallel to, say, Brokeback Mountain, which was excellent? Um, yeah, I would, I would say that there's some, because it does talk about a little bit of a, you know, a relationship that he has with somebody like a a same partner relationship that of course can never be revealed to anyone because it's against the law. I just asked that because I don't know why. I mean, obviously not all relationships back then were, were similar to that, but I don't know why I, well, it follows the same set with Brokeback Mountain um, you had the one gentleman who I can't remember the names of the characters that was very openly gay. Mm-hmm. And then the one who was somewhat in the closet still because he was married. Um, right, right, right. Uh, Heath Ledger. Ledger's character because he was married and he oh, just yeah. went up to go on camping trips like, with this friend of his. But it was actually... I feel romantic like I've seen getaways. Bits and pieces of that. It's like Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal's character was openly gay, but Heath Ledger's character was still closeted, very closeted. Oh. And I, I mean, Brokeback Mountain gets a really bad rep because everybody can't see past the the gay relationship. But if you watch it and pay attention to the story, it's actually a really good story. It is a really that. good story, and I would say this one is. <clears throat> a, a lot the same. Um, the main character is very frustrating because he's very cowardly, but he comes through. <laughs> well, I mean, he just, he comes from a very abusive home. Mm-hmm. I mean, his dad tells him that he hopes that the that it would be best for everybody if the Nazis shoot him, or not the Nazis, but the Germans shoot him. Ouch. Lovely father. Because, yeah, the Nazis are World War II. <laughs> Sorry. You and your Nazis. If the, if the Germans just shoot him, it would be best for everyone. Mm-hmm. And just hey. hor- just he has a horrible upbringing. So I don't know if that's the reason for his cowardice. But it talks about him being a featherman in this. And I had to look up what featherman stood for, and it means cowardly. Okay. Because back in World War One, you can get um, court-martialed for cowardness. For being a coward, you can get court-martialed. And there's people that do. And they either throw you in the brig or <laughs> they make you a stretcher bearer, which, you know, World War One was trench warfare. Yeah. And it's rough. What stretcher oh, so if you were carrying a, tretch, a stretcher out there bringing in the, the dead and wounded, you'd probably get shot yourself. Exactly. 
Oh, so it's basically just that sucks. it's like human nature i'm just if i'm in a trench and some guy's running at me with a gun my initial instinct is probably like shoot and run at the same time get right. out of the way uh-huh. but the stretcher bearers were supposed to pick up the wounded and the dead oh. in no man's land and they got shot by snipers so anybody who was a conscientious objector would just be considered a coward and then be punished yeah exactly Jeez. And an absolutionist is actually another word for cowardly. You can claim to be an absolutionist and you're shunned as a coward and either sent to the brig or they can they can send you home from the army for it. But most of the time they just make you a stretcher bearer or throw you in so this, army jail. So the story is about a guy who is a coward. Right. And him being gay really is part of the story, but not really the focus of the story, right? Um, it has a lot to do with the story, just because of his general nature. It's about his experiences, and because he's gay, it's a big part of his oh, experiences okay. while he's in the army. And he's, I will have to say that he is not ever brought up on charges of being cowardly. Oh, okay. But other people are. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. So, and that's, I mean. It actually does sound interesting. And usually, you know, I have no interest in reading about. Yeah, it it was a very good story, but it is, it's it's very depressing. Okay, so I'm not going to read it. You won't read it. You will (laughs) never, ever read it. You Mm. should watch The Imitation Game. Is that the same kind of story? It's a, well. It's World War II, but it's about Alan Turing. And, oh, uh, the Turing I like computers. Hearing him. about him, yeah, he was Benedict brilliant. Cumberbatch plays him, and in um, the Imitation Game, it's on Netflix, and it's one of my all-time favorite movies. It, like goes through how they crack the German enigma, but Alan Turing is gay. I've actually read a book <laughs> with that with it's called and, the Imitation with him in it. Yep. Yeah. Mm, I have to watch that. Oh yeah, it's really really good. Okay, so even though it's a horribly depressing book, would you recommend it? That's the question. To yeah. anybody but me. Um, if this is the kind of book that you like, I would say yes, because it is extremely well written. I mean, it was one that I wanted to l- keep listening to to find out what happened. So I would say yes. I would say if you liked Boy in the Striped Pajamas, then you would like this book because it's well written in the same way i would say this one is probably i would maybe even more sad than oh, wow. boy in the striped pajamas which is saying a lot right there gee that's high praise or it could be well i mean i'm sorry i can't help myself okay i didn't say bad i said sad there's a difference but because i've read two very very depressing books right in a row I'm going with a happier theme. I I downloaded two from the library from the humor section. So. Oh, good. So Yay. next week I will not be so depressing. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Well, the book I'm going to probably talk I'm going to talk about ties into that because it's about the lost generation. So it's wait, like wait, wait. So you give title and artist, and then we'll skip over to Jessica. Also depressing though. So <laughs> is it <laughs> really? Go with that. <laughs> Mine is the Absolutionist by John Boyne, and I I would give it I would give it a five. I would give it a five because I would read this book and I would recommend it to somebody who is okay with reading extremely depressing books. Not you. Thank you. (laughs) 
Maybe Me. you. <laughs> you like you like depressing books. Some I'm of them. starting to feel really outnumbered with you two around. <laughs> <laughs> When's Nicole coming back? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nicole is eventually coming back. She um, she's trying to sort out all the stuff with her grandmother, you know, because her grandmother passed yeah. away, and she's just really had a run of bad luck. Her washing machine exploded. Jeez. So yeah. she's having to break. do laundry on the weekends, like. People who don't have washing machines, (laughs) which sucks, but yeah. Yeah. And plus, I mean, she is in college, so college is fixing to start again. Right. So she's got all, she's got a lot of stuff on on her plate. plate. Don't remind me about college. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Depressing. Go ahead, Jessica. (laughs) Well, it's not as depressing as yours, but it's um, The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. And Hemingway is one of those people that writes a lot about one period of time like he walked and it's always world war one or he writes about the lost generation which is like the post world war one aftermath where the people who you know survived trench warfare come back and they don't know what to do with their lives and they're just like well uh, i've seen the worst of the worst yeah um which they do talk about in this book some too about the people when the soldiers come back from trench warfare so right and uh he's he's most pop- famous for a farewell to arms which Bonnie really needs to read because it's a really good book and it's depressing and it's, you know, historical fiction. Those are up your alley. <laughs> and, um, you guys. And The Old Man in the Sea, which... Which we were forced uh, to read. It's also depressing. Not a fan. I did not like that one. No. But The Sun Also Rises is really good. It's about... Um, it's narrated by Jake Barnes, who is a World War One vet who is living in Paris. He's an American soldier who has stayed in Europe and he's living in Paris and he is friends with a rich American Jewish novelist who's not a war vet but he's also moved to Europe to stay out there and write with his really really controlling girlfriend that he doesn't like mm-hmm. and um, he falls in both of them are in love with Lady Brett who um, she's a divorced like social in love with as in wah, wah, or uh, in love with as in just like no they're like in cone is in love with her like wah, wah, like they yeah she she gets around a lot but she's like <laughs> <laughs> she's a floozy okay <laughs> um she's she's actually like she had treat jake was injured in the war and she had treated him in the war and that's how they know each other and his injury has rendered him impotent and she, Ooh. like, loves Jake, too, but she's kind of selfish, and she doesn't want to give up sex, so so they don't want to ever actually be together. Oh. But So they're, like, best friends who, like, love each other, like, in a mental connection kind of thing, but they don't. But he not can't. a physical way, because he can't. Yeah, which is really, really sad. <laughs> but, so he's always, like, he'll do anything for her, pretty much. And Robert loves her, but she, like, has talked about marrying this scottish war vet and his name's mike and anyways they all end up like cones trying to get jake to go with him to south africa but jake doesn't want to go and then so cone decides to go travel because he's not happy and brett leaves too and they she goes to san sebastian but he doesn't really know where cone has gone and so i guess they were they were together and eventually jake she's got three guys on the hook 
there's like there ends up being like five. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure she does get around. She's yeah. a Lucy. <laughs> yeah. And so well, that would actually in, that would actually fall into the normal an category in our lives. <laughs> yes. Not a floozy, an opportunist. That's so, right. Jake's she friend Bill comes. Wants. She's just confused. Takes him. He's like, we need to get out of Paris and get you some fresh air. So they said they're going to go to Spain, but they have to stop through San Sebastian and they run into Brett and her fiance, Mike. Mm-hmm. But they also run into Cohn and Robert Cohn. And Brett tells him that she's really been in San Sebastian with Robert and it's this big deal. And so they end up going to Spain and... They watch bullfighting, and Brett falls in love with this bullfighter named Romero, and so she leaves Mike. Yeah, she leaves Mike, <laughs> and like I think Ernest Hemingway watched too many soap operas. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. He and F. Scott Fitzgerald are all about the affair thing. I've just noticed yeah. that. But um, I don't know. Cone finds out like he gets really mad at Mike and Jake because he knows that they like Brett too and he fights them and then he goes and beats up Romero and then Romero and Brett leave and they go to Madrid and then you know like two months later Brett writes Jake a letter and is like come get me from Madrid um she leaves Romero because she feels like she's ruining his bull fighting career and she feels like she's ruining who he is as a person because she he's like Romero's like this pure young person who just has like a super good heart and she's like this person who uses like everybody she meets and so she feels like she's running him and then her and Jake she, Jake goes and gets her and brings her back to Mike her fiance who just takes her back because you know he gets around too yeah they just do like a big roundabout circle and it's just awful but I really really liked the book uh, the story is just a little crazy and out there and there's just so much like going on with this woman and I'm just I'm, like appalled with her most of the time but Hemingway is one of those authors that when he's writing it's this is going to sound super corny but it's the only way I can put it it's like art like he all of his sentences are just like so like artfully put together and he's just really fun to read and like you know we talk about the literature aspect of it it's just amazingly well written but it's a little mm-hmm. crazy and it's, it's a and it's also and, that, and that's what puts him in the category of classic authors. Yes. Yeah, and it sounds like the style. main character is like one that you love to hate. Oh yeah, I love. Almost. Well, Jake's the main character, I guess technically. He's the oh, narrator. I was thinking that. And Jake is just he's just Jake. <laughs> he's just kind of there. The roundabout Sue. Yeah, she's she's interesting cuz well cuz every point of like well it's told from Jake's point of view and he loves her. So I mean, you love her but at the same time you're like, oh, "Why are you doing this to Jake?" Yeah. <laughs> But it's an interesting book in a lot of ways. And I think it's a really good look at a different time period. We talked about that a lot, how it's good mm-hmm. to see how the lost generation was, because they're all just really lost. <laughs> yeah. And there are really parallels to all of the people who come back from war. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I the think time... we treat them differently based on experience. You know, we know now that when people come back from a worse situation they need to be rehabilitated they need to find normal again because when you're told it's okay to kill someone and then you come home and they're like no 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 you can't kill anyone well it's not even that it's but the when- whole the whole thing that the the culture of war and military is so different from normal life but the trenches when they were in the trenches everything that i've read about the trenches that i mean trench trench life 
was just horrible well, yes. and it was dirty and yes. you were never clean and you spent months on end like this where just it's all about survival it's and about- then all of a sudden you're thrown back into society and then you have you know all of your societal rules you have to be civilized again right, right that are so different than what it was when you were in the trenches right that it's it's an adjustment period and i think like i said it's not the same but there are parallels right to that readjustment period no matter mm-hmm. what the war mm-hmm. oh, yeah especially an interesting it's an interesting time period it's not one that i knew a lot about until i read some oh. hemingway so and then you got a real really good picture yeah and that's one of the things i like because like you get the gist from people tell you this is what it was like and this and this but when you were like hearing it from someone's perspective it's a lot different did you mm-hmm. know that J.R.R. Tolkien and uh, C.S. Lewis were both trench in the trenches? Really? really? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. where they became friends. That oh. would probably um, that would probably explain some of his writing about the, what is it, the orcs mm-hmm. and how yep. they were born and everything because that yep. actually has a, a, some similarities to yep. Yep. trenches. You can see. Jeez. You can see it. A bit. A little bit. Yeah. I could see that. And, and. Coping, you know, coping mechanisms are different for every person. So writing was a good co- coping mechanism for him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, you know. I feel like it would be for anybody. Yeah. He's one of my favorite authors to read. Like, he's a, just, he's refreshing to read because he, sometimes you read a lot of, like, newer books and they're, they're good in their own right, in their own ways. But, like, when you, like, look back at, like, the truly, like, literary stuff, it's really nice to just kind of. Get immersed in that. It's nice. I really like his like his writing style. So. I think Nicole's mentioned Hemingway. She read that one Hemingway's wife, maybe the oh, letters yeah, 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 or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, what was that one book that she? I don't uh, remember what the name of it. She's very enamored with one of Hemingway's ex wives. Yeah, huh. I know that she's reviewed. Martha and she's Gellhorn. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yep. But I know yeah. she likes that. All right, Martha, cheer us up. You know that you didn't read a depressing book. <laughs> well, I did sort of read a depressing book, but uh, it takes place in the world in the in the year twenty forty five. Did we all do depressing books? You never. Well, read it's depressing not really. Books. Well, it is kind of depressing, but not in that way because what happened to the the Norse god who thinks he's a garden gnome? Or the garden on the thing. Well, I haven't got to that one yet. I just read that article. (laughs) Come on now. Give me a break. (sighs) So, um, this one. The reason I want to talk about this one, though, even though it wasn't, you know, a happy book, was that I was so enthralled by it. I was so into it from the moment I started reading it. One of those books that I just didn't feel like I could put it down. Hmm. Um. It was called The Change Agent by mm-hmm. Daniel Suarez. Takes place in the world or takes place in the year 2045. Mm-hmm. And he is an agent. He works for a government agency that investigates illegal uh, gene editing labs. Mm-hmm. Because this is a world where it's legal to um, cure diseases before children are born because they can do that because Mm -hmm. they edit they do the gene editing and everything in the womb Mm -hmm. so that's legal what it's not legal to do is to genetically engineer children 
for people who just want to have Specific smart, traits. beautiful children. Okay. Right. So that's <laughs> not legal. So one of the things he does is investigate investigate those types of illegal labs. Well, you begin the experience by he's he's getting ready to go to his daughter's birthday party, so he's got a present for her, and he's on his way home from work. Well, he's in an autonomous vehicle, as which is part of the culture, you know, right. in 2045. So he's riding along in this vehicle, and it just quits. And he's in a really bad part of town. And I want to say it's in Singapore. He travels around so much in this, I can't remember exactly where he's at. But he's someplace he's not familiar with mm-hmm. in the part of town that he's in. And the vehicle just stops and says, okay, this vehicle has been disabled. You know, you have to get out because, you know, <laughs> it's not going to move. So he gets out of the vehicle, even though he has no idea where he is. And, and he tries to get another car, but it's going to be too long of wait. So he decides he'll go to the tube station. He takes off and he gets to the station, which, of course, is completely packed with people. So he's standing there and he's waiting and he's got the present for his daughter. And all of a sudden he feels this pain in his side. Oh. And he realizes very quickly that he's been injected with something. So he starts to go into shock and his body starts swelling. And, of course, he eventually passes out well he wakes up and he's swollen beyond recognition and he's in this hospital and nobody knows who he is so they're trying to identify him and eventually they start asking you know he's able to speak and he says well my name is Kenneth Durant and my wife's name is Miyuki and um, I want you guys to contact her and tell her I'm all right and they're like what um, so they contact this agency that he says he works for and they show up and they're like, you asshole, how, where's Ken and how do you know who he is? And they start like questioning him and it's like, what? I am Ken. That's who I am. Well, eventually he realizes that his appearance has been completely altered. And instead of being this young runner guy, you know, a runner's frame, he's this big, thick neck Asian what? <laughs> and he's got these tattoos and all this stuff. And he's like, what? <laughs> so then pretty soon he realizes that he's been transformed into one of the guys that he was investigating, the leader of this huge syndicate that is a criminal syndicate. And wow. he's been transformed into this guy. Talk about stealing your identity. Yeah. Oh, so so he. That sounds cool. Um, the people that are obviously doing this to him fix it so that he breaks out because mm-hmm. they're going to, he, he's going to be killed while trying to be captured. That's huh. their plan. So they, they cut him loose in the elevator when they're transferring him to prison or whatever. And but it's really this, they, this dude. It's who's... really this other guy that's doing this. So they let him escape, but he really does escape. The plan was for him to die during right, transformation. He, he was supposed to die during transformation. You're not supposed to survive it. But he survives it. And then they try to kill him 
but he escapes. So the book is about his journey through this underground culture to try to get back to his wife and daughter, (coughs) which really sounds like an action movie, right? For sure. But of course, the reason I was interested in it is because of all the gene editing and all Mm -hmm. of the really interesting scientific uh, stuff that was going on in it. And he ends up he ends up teaming up with a dwarf. <laughs> so there you go. You got your dwarf. He he ends up teaming up with this guy who who is semi criminal gene editing guy who just mm-hmm. happens to want this technology of which they previously thought was impossible, which is to edit a an adult into someone else. Because usually they do it with right. embryos. Right. And as far as they know, that technology doesn't even exist. And here he is, a living proof of it. Well, the other guy who he is, he's been transformed into, has already transformed himself into another body and another appearance. But the thing about Ken is that he's been transformed into... The previous body, but the tattoos that identify him are like a key code to all of his um, everything, basically. So he's in control. He can be in control of the organization because he has all these tattoos on him. Well, that wasn't supposed to transfer. The tattoos weren't? Right. So, I mean, you've got all of that stuff going on, too. So he's able to do a lot more than he would if he just had the appearance of the guy. He has everything of the guy. That's crazy. So it's really interesting because you have a lot of intrigue. You've got a lot of scientific future stuff going on. And, of course, the guy wanting to get back to his family. So I really wow. enjoyed it. I thought it was it was a, a really fun book to read, and it was really fast paced, which normally I don't really like. But man, I buzzed through that thing so quickly. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it was called The Change Agent by Daniel Daniel Suarez. Wow. What are you writing down over there? I'm just writing down episodes. Oh, okay. I was going to write down what we wrote. This is oh. episode fifty two, right? Yeah. I'm no, 51. is it? <gasps> this is episode. You know what that means, don't you? What? If this is episode 52, it means that our next episode is the first episode of the next year. So next week is our anniversary of one year. Well, I thought we, I thought it was September that we first started recording. Yeah, but 52 weeks is a year. Maybe. Is that not right? Well, I mean, I'll so have to take your word to that. But. Technically, <laughs> the 53rd episode would be the anniversary, the one year anniversary. Even though it might not be the exact date. You messed me up and I spelled episode wrong. Why did you distract me? It's a good thing I'm the only one that reads my book. The gene splicing thing is interesting because like, I think they research that like pretty heavily right now. Because could you imagine they're a world doing it. where they're, you could cure? They are gene splicing. They're working. I mean, that's, the, that's why I found it so interesting because I read all those science articles and they're, they're doing gene editing on embryos. They're they're. Actually, it was in the news the other day that they've actually successfully edited an embryo to be free of a, a certain genetic yeah. disease. Could you imagine that, though? Like a world where you could do that, where you could cure, like, 
But then, well, then problem down becomes or the like reason that reprogram the, cancer cells or exactly. something like that. But the reason that it has become that this book is so controversial in being able to edit a, a grown human being is that identity is moot. Mm-hmm. You could be anybody, which means that if you're a criminal, you can hide pretty well. Exactly. So identity is off the table. That's so how are you going to identify anybody? How are you going to uh, hold anyone accountable? So all of the problems inherent in that idea mm-hmm. are one of the things that makes the book so really interesting. Mm-hmm. Jeez. So, anyway. That's crazy, though. Yeah. It's funny how like nothing is ever totally pure. Like people are like, I w- it'd be really cool to be able to do this to you know fix people's illnesses, but there's always that one person that's gonna be like, I'm gonna use this to get away with some bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's but, just human nature. I know. But then sad, you also have they talked about this when I was in school because you know I went to school for a healthcare mm-hmm. degree, and they talk about when um, they're editing genes and stuff. Then you get to the point where when is too much. When is it too much? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you you um, splice the genes so that your child doesn't have these certain diseases, but then you can also, you know, tell it to have a specific hair color or a specific eye color or to be, you know, athletically or... And that's where a lot of, you know, there are a lot of things that are brought up to do with yeah. that. How far is too far? The illegal labs are doing just that. Right. They're creating children that are super smart. Mm-hmm. Or super athletic, but see or, that was actually yeah. part of when we were taking. Um, mm-hmm. Can't remember what ethics. it's called. Ethics, medical yeah. Ethics, yeah. Medical yeah. ethics, and they talk about that. Mm-hmm. Like you know, is yeah. it ethical to make your child th- exactly what you want? I mean, think about it. It it would totally eradicate the need for for eyeglasses, right? Because yeah. you could just splice the genes so that your child has perfect vision and. Orthodontia, perfect mm-hmm. teeth. Think about the implications. It's like the pretty surgery in that book, that one you talked yeah. about. Exactly. Uh-huh. See, it all ties it. I find that fascinating to dig into that. You're like, oh, what if this and what if that? And, you know, you get a person with a mind like mine writing a book like that. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, which everything's supposed mm-hmm. to be fantasy, you know, and sci-fi and everything. But then it but starts to overlap. It's actually, but then it gets real. Yeah, yeah. Then it's part of reality. Yeah. I mean, it's science just amazing what they can science do. fact. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jeez. And A Brave New World gets into that, too. Mm-hmm. Brave. I'm, I'm going to... we got to get her to read Brave New World. I'm one book up. <laughs> I might see if Brave New World put that on my wish list so that... It's super short, and it's really super weird, but the fact that it was written when it was written and what it was written about is, is really what makes it... Super interesting. It's amazing. It's one of my like favorite books. I would read. I think I would that if it was written book. today, it would not be. I mean, because we know a lot of the things they've come to pass mm-hmm. since this book was written back in what nineteen twenty five or something like that. I mean, it was written a really long time ago. Yeah. All right, so I suppose we're uh, going to need to sign this baby off. So yeah, next but before week... we before we do, hold on. Okay. I, I want to write okay. down our books. What was your book again? The Sun Also Rises. By Ernest Hemingway. Mm-hmm. And what was the name of yours? And mine was The Change Agent by Daniel Suarez. And then yours was what? The Absolutionist, John Boyne. I just, just to keep it updated. Okay. You know, because sometimes I get like 
five episodes behind, <laughs> and then I have to go back and listen to all of our we really should. We really should include that at the end of every podcast so that... You know. We did for a while, and then we, which and it made it really easy when I. <laughs> we did for a while, and and then it was really easy when I got behind because all I'd have to do is just listen to the end of the yeah. podcast, and then we quit doing it. And okay, so next week we are gonna get Nicole in this building. You think so? Yes, we're gonna get her in. Well, Jessica, don't can rush you be her. Here too? Let her. Yeah. No, she's gonna be here because it's our one year. She has to come. Oh yeah. There are no excuses. Maybe we could get the whole year. crew in here, get everybody that's been on. Oh, well, Kelly's, crazy. In, Kelly's in Dallas, isn't she? Well, the, within reason, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe <laughs> we, somebody can like FaceTime her and I have her on my Facebook. I wonder if I sent her a Facebook message, we could FaceTime at the same time and then I could just like hold her up to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I can get her on the phone through the board in here. <laughs> just put her on speaker. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> all right. So I guess that's going to do it for the actual final podcast of our 52 weeks. Of our first year. Of our first year. That's going to do it for Three Book Girls. Girls.